You are listening to the IoT for All Media Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IoT for All podcast on the IoT for All Media Network. I'm your host, Ryan Chacon, one of the co-creators of IoT for All. Now, before we jump into this episode, please don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or join our newsletter at IoTforAll.com newsletter to catch all the newest episodes as soon as they come out. Before we get started, if any of you out there are looking to enter the fast-growing and profitable IoT market but don't know where to start, check out our sponsor, Leverage's IoT solutions development platform, which provides everything you need to create turnkey IoT products that you can white label and resell under your own brand. To learn more, go to iotchangeseverything.com. That's iotchangeseverything.com. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the IoT for All podcast. Welcome, Biren, to the IoT for All podcast. How's your week going so far? So far, so good. No complaints. Fantastic. Well, it's great to have you. Um, I'd love to start off by having you give a quick introduction to our audience and you know, let them know any background information, anything about yourself you think will be relevant so they can get more insights into who they're listening to. Absolutely. Would love to. Hey, guys, I'm Biren Gandhi, uh, founder and CEO of Speak to IoT. Uh, we are an SFB area company with a global presence. My co-founder is based in India. Uh, we mm. have a subsidiary in India as well. It's called Smart India. So, but essentially it's uh, pretty much the same parent. And the idea is, as you might have guessed from the name, uh, it's speak to IoT. So we are in the IoT domain from the forefront, from the very inception of IoT. In fact, I was part of the team at Cisco a few years back, uh, which actually coined the term IoT. In fact, it was IOE, Internet of Everything, in the Mm. earlier days. Uh, So I was fortunate and humbled to be part of that core team which coined the term, which kind of started the whole movement sure. of IoT, right? Sure. So, yeah, I mean, uh, while, while at Cisco, it was a uh, very interesting times. So my co-founder and I were kind of doing a bunch of experimentation. I was leading the, the drone charter at Cisco, trying to find out commercial drone engagements and opportunities for Cisco for like next decade or two. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I was also in parallel leading an innovation charter, internal innovation charter. So I had launched... Uh, an internal innovation challenge at Cisco called Innovate Everywhere Challenge. And as part of that, uh, my co-founder and I just kind of bumped into each other uh, doing some experimentation. So we said, hey, uh, people are flying drones. This was like back in 2016. So we said, hey, people are flying drones, looking at their mobile phones or joysticks. I mean, essentially they're looking down while Mm -hmm. the flying machine is actually up in the air in the sky. So it's a fragmented attention problem, whether people should be looking down or they should be looking up where the actual machine is going. It might be Mm -hmm. bumping into something, somebody's windows or tree or something, right? Right, right. So that's where uh, the idea clicked that, hey, can we fly drones using voice purely, just like no joysticks, no mobile phones, Mm -hmm. purely Mm -hmm. based on the Alexa or Google Assistant voice commands that, hey, take off, land, go left, go right, increase the speed, decrease the speed, all those things. And that went very successfully. And after that, we went on doing a bunch of projects, uh, making like autonomous robots, doing the Wi-Fi site surveys within buildings and doing a bunch of things, purely voice controlled or autonomous fully. Uh, So we said, hey, uh, can we just extend this concept to anything which has electrical power? Why just limit ourselves to drones or robots, the high-end gadgets? And that's how the Speak to IoT concept was born in a way that, hey, it is any IoT device, any internet connected or any powered device for that matter can be uh, voice controllable, can be made voice controllable in a very intuitive, hands-free, contactless manner. 
And uh, that's where we are, like three years and, and change down the road. We are in the process of uh, doing this voiceification, so as to speak, of uh, many, many IoT devices, whether they are consumer IoT appliances like smart appliances, smart home gadgets, switches, lights, LEDs, fans, whatever sure. you can think of, right? That's one domain. But not only that, our platform, uh, it's a software platform, which kind of normalizes this voice interfaces for anybody and everybody. So think of it like somebody wants to kind of voiceify their backend process or workflow mm -hmm. in an enterprise in a commercial setup. We can do that too, not just IoT devices. So the scope is pretty broad. In fact, sure. we can do so many things of converting voice to anything. So essentially what we have built is a, it's a general purpose patent pending all in one platform, which can convert any IoT device or backend mm -hmm. process into a voice enabled entity, which is compliant to Alexa, Google, Samsung voice, and whoever right. comes in the future. So it's a, essentially it's a, it's a future proof uh, platform, which can cater to many different use cases. Fantastic. So talk a little bit more about kind of your target customer or what's turned into your typical customer since the company has been founded and you're going to market. Who are you kind of aiming this at? Um, what stage of the IoT process are they usually in? And what does that relationship usually look like? Sure, yeah, we'd love to. So if you remember, like back from the old days, like in the inception days of IoT, right? IoT mm -hmm. is kind of typically catering to four segments, people, process, data, and sure. things, right? Sure. So essentially, that's the kind of a breakdown of our customer or target segment as well. Okay. So on the things side, right? Anything which is kind of automated, automatable, uh, anything which has electrical power, anything which has connectivity, Wi-Fi connectivity, we can make it voice compatible. So any legacy appliance for consumer electronics or enterprise or corporate Wi-Fi, anything. Think of any consumer device okay. which has Wi-Fi connectivity. Or yep. we can provide Wi-Fi connectivity also that can be controlled over voice, right? So that's one segment. Okay. Appliance manufacturers, that is one of our target segments. People having legacy appliances want to make them voice-enabled, IoT-enabled, mobile app-enabled. Yes, we can cater to them. That's one segment. Mm -hmm. uh, second one is out of those people process data things is the process and the data, right? So that's where the enterprise workflows come into picture. Anything software, anything which requires dashboards, five clicks, seven clicks. Mm. Uh, I remember many companies, like uh, especially that was the case uh, back in the day. Many companies, in order to create a guest Wi-Fi network, somebody in the the company's employees, it takes about ten minutes and maybe twenty different clicks to just create a guest Wi-Fi network access for a visitor, even the big right. corporate houses. Sure. Uh, I mean, most of the companies have those kind of cumbersome experiences uh, for their employees uh, in today's world, right? So okay. that's just one example of workflow. Like if anything takes like 10 minutes or 20 clicks or anything like that, I mean, that is simply not acceptable in today's world. Uh, we made those things like voice neighbor, like within 20 seconds, you can just uh, the create that, hey, create a guest Wi-Fi network for my guest who is arriving at so-and-so time. Uh, for three hours, four hours, whatever the time window is, and boom, uh, things get done. Right? So mm. any corporate enterprise workflow that can be made more efficient, that's the second category uh, okay. from that uh, the process and data side of things. And the last out of that people process data thing is, and the most important is the people, the experiences, right? right? right. So that's where the consumer experiences, employee experiences, stakeholder experiences come into picture. 
people want to do various things combining different subsystems, right? People don't necessarily think in the silos uh, like mm. computer subsystems think that, hey, here is the operational system, then only operational mm. systems and those logistics and that dashboard uh, is displayed somewhere. Uh, this is supply chain, then only supply chain related things are displayed on some other dashboard somewhere else. Right. Uh, this is production, then it's a production system, right? So typically it's a, it's a siloed uh, integration, siloed subsystems uh, from, a, from a system perspective. People don't think in terms of those things, right? People think in more holistic uh, ways. So any kind of industrial workflow, think of an industrial workflow on a plant floor, that somebody is operating a piece of heavy machinery to showing some readings that, hey, this reading is off. I mean, right. they, they have to not only figure out, say, hey, what was the reading? What should be the reading? What are the diagnostic procedures? How can I refer to the manual? What can I do? How can I escalate the problem? How can I de-escalate? So all that entire thing needs to be available to that individual on the floor in a split-second scenario. They should not be just like a, a scavenging for that information mm. right at that uh, mm-hmm. critical moment in the life. It should be readily available. So that's the kind of a voice application in the fourth category of making any stakeholder experience, whether it's a plant technician, field operations guide, or even customer service rep or anything like right. human element right. of it. So any experience, make it voice powered and intuitive and natural. So that's Fantastic. the third category. So essentially uh, three categories. One is appliance manufacturers. Second is enterprises willing to leverage their, their Wi-Fi, uh, all of their automation systems on the processes and workflows. Mm-hmm. And third is this industrial or plant workflows or customer-based uh, human-powered workflows. So focusing on the enterprise side for a second, talk a little bit to us about some of the real-world use cases and applications of the technology that you've been involved in that you're comfortable kind of talking about publicly. Uh, just to mm-hmm. kind of bring it full circle of how this technology is being used um, to solve real-world problems? Oh, absolutely. Uh, In fact, uh, we are working with uh, a couple of corporate giants. We are technology partners for Cisco and technology partner for uh, Mist, Juniper Mist as well, more recently. So we are a proved technology partner and we have built a few solutions with them jointly uh, to leverage the corporate Wi-Fi use cases. So uh, one is uh, pandemic-proof campuses, for example. Okay. Uh, especially the world is getting back to normalcy, right? There are a lot of requirements about like how many people are gathering, are they still observing social distancing or they're still observing uh, the local and county regulations. Everything is like highly geographical, right? Certain things are prominent in New York, which may not be prominent in California or vice versa. Right. So how do we ensure like a smooth workflow as people are returning to offices? So one particular specific use case I would like to dive in is finding the the population density, uh, for example, okay. right? So uh, people think of it as a, let's say, university campus, uh, any sure. academic institution. Uh, sure. People want to think that, hey, is it safe to go to the library to, to con- conduct some work? Or is it safe mm-hmm. to go to gym right now on campus mm-hmm. or cafeteria? Wherever, like enclosed spaces, which might have some population, you don't know whether right. like, people are crowding at the moment or it is fairly empty or vacant where I feel comfortable as an individual. Right. Sure. In in absence of our solution, the traditional way of doing these things is uh, both Cisco and Juniper and many other Wi-Fi corporate Wi-Fi providers. They have some sort of uh, APIs in their system, which provide the information based on people's mobile phones connecting to their Wi-Fi network, or at least trying to connect to their Wi-Fi networks. Mm-hmm. So at least 
they have some visibility into how many devices and devices correlate into people right how many devices or people are trying to connect to my wi-fi network in any given space right right so based on that they can do some triangulation and give a fairly accurate count so in absence of our speak to iot voice integration platform what typically used to happen is those institution had to put large displays the screens outside of those facilities like outside mm-hmm. of library let's say library has three entrances each of these three entrances will have a giant display in the front saying whether it's a red or green or yellow to enter sure. the library based on sure. the population count inside that library what we right. did is uh, we have been kind of making it highly democratized highly decentralized why do you want people to visit just outside of the door of the library in the first place yeah so we gave that capability into people's pockets on their mm-hmm. own mobile phones they pull out and do a google assistant or alexa app i mean it's their choice whatever they like they can do make a query that hey how many people are there and boom the the voice response comes in that there are approximately like 300 people right now right mm-hmm. so people can find that very intuitively from wherever they are remotely and decide for their own self whether it's safe or it's okay for me to visit a particular segment of the campus right now as we speak so that's that's just one specific concrete example another example is locating the ble based uh, devices right uh, the location identification and that's popular for the hospitals and healthcare systems uh, right now as we are fighting so anything which has on the uh, has some sort of wheels and which is shared use uh, item uh, forklift or ventilator cart or anything you can think of like anything which has a wheel which is high value asset which has a tendency mm-hmm. to get lost or misplaced in a shared sure. environment so just attach a tile like or air tag like a ble tag on that asset and it will be passively tracked using cisco's wifi or using juniper's wifi uh, infrastructure and we can expose like entire voice based interaction that you can find that hey where is forklift number 5 or what is where is ventilator cart number 2 right now right and right. the response can show on on the, on the screen as well as on the audio saying like hey right now it's located in building 2 second floor mm-hmm. closer to dr james's office that's like a very very powerful productivity solution entirely leveraging this corporate wifi networks And where do you kind of see this going long term? Obviously voice is becoming more popular. I mean, I think when Alexa came out with the ability to, you know, to ask her a question and get a response quickly, then Siri within your phones became more readily uh usable. We're starting to like, you know, obviously with something like Speak to IoT, we're seeing it more in um in all different types of applications, but you know, let's say like a couple years down the road, where do you see the biggest impact from the voice enablement in IoT coming from and who is it benefiting the most that that's a great question actually that's that's like the real business driver for sure. the whole voice movement right i mean gimmicks are fine but at the end of the day like uh, who is going to benefit in the long run right so right uh, so the way i see is voice is and i've used that in many many times so i'm i'm sure everybody has heard that phrase that voice is the new touch mm-hmm. so whatever job the previous decade the previous generation of mobile apps they were doing voice is the next phase of that uh in fact what i personally prefer is voice is not just the voice is the new touch phrase i prefer is voice is the no touch phrase Right. So it's a lack of touch. It's a completely contactless and more hygienic in in how things have been going lately in the world. 
okay. in the pandemic ridden world, right? So it's like you don't have to touch anything in order to make things work, right? So it's a really, really remote operations. But in terms of benefits, what is more important uh, with voice is it's an app-less world. And I've seen from the very first, like day zero of the IoT uh, in in last decade, when we were kind of building up uh, uh, the momentum for the IoT in the beginning, like eight, 10 years back, is today, if you buy any connected device, device X, device Y, device Z, everything comes mm-hmm. up with its own mobile app. Now, if you think as a consumer, as a user, how many mobile apps you are going to keep in your pocket. Every single time you're interacting with device one, you have to remember that, hey, device one is controlled by app one. So pull out app one. You need to familiarize, learn, educate yourself with respect to the user interfaces of app one, how things work, how to configure. Now forget about that. Okay, now app two, you're interacting with device two, then you need to learn the same things about app two, uh, same thing with app three and so on and so forth. So it's not a scalable problem. It's a human challenge. Devices are supposed to make life easier, but with this proliferation of multitude of apps, it's not happening. We haven't seen that happening. So our philosophical stance is, at speak to IoT, is let's make it an app-less world. You don't have to teach people two things, right? Like what to do and how to do. In the app-centric world, you also have to teach people how to do things right? in a given app context. What we believe is you don't have to do You don't have to put that cognitive overload on people's minds. Just inform them about what to do. Don't don't worry about how to part, right? Let system figure out the how part. Uh, And voice is that power. Voice is so intuitive in nature that it eliminates the how part uh, Mm. from the equation for end user. You don't have to remember like how to do things. You just speak naturally that, hey, I want this light to turn on or off or dim or increase brightness in whatever language you feel comfortable grammatically correct incorrect doesn't really matter right as long as you are providing enough information for system to act on it boom you are golden doesn't matter really right so that's yeah. the the power of voice for for stakeholders for end users the actual mm. users of the systems but not only that uh, the providers on the back end right like whoever is providing so think of again i like this analogy a lot app versus non app world for any mobile app, you are babysitting, you are having an overhead of initial development and kind of uh, operations management, security and upgrades, the API compatibility and all those things which which comes as a life cycle. And it, it goes on and on. So every time you touch something, you have to kind of proliferate, propagate uh, throughout the app, throughout the feature set and propagate and educate your end users, all the stakeholders in using those changes and all. So it's, a, it's an IT kind of nightmare that way. Uh, in the IoT world, we are always focused on IT and OT side. So uh, OT is like challenging, challenging enough, but IT also becomes challenging with this app-based world. What voice does to that is it simplifies the IT a lot. In fact, IT overheads are so minimized. I mean, IT sometimes does not even realize that there is a voice app running on that. Just to give you an example, this pandemic-proof campuses, right? So counting people, population density, or uh, locating uh, various assets. IT had almost zero role in providing us that information. We were able to do it, the entire voice-based IoT applications, with like zero IT support, purely based on the existing Wi-Fi infrastructure, no changes whatsoever. So as long as you have Cisco's or Juniper Mist Wi-Fi infrastructure, 
that's it. You're already done. You, you have no new work to be done from an IT perspective. So mm-hmm. that way, it's not only convenient, but it's much more like less operationally costly, less, less operational overhead, less security overhead to manage things and remembering things and babysitting things. So it helps on the, on both endpoints, one on the stakeholder user side from the experience sure. perspective and on the back office side, on the IT, OT side from an operational perspective. And as we talk about um, kind of those benefits across all stakeholders, are there any other specific business drivers that will need to be um, or that are needed, I guess, to embrace voice in the IoT domain, kind of that voice AI, you know, in in IoT? Is there anything on the business side that we haven't mentioned that is probably worth noting that is going to be a big driver for voice to basically be adopted in IoT within organizations? Uh, yeah, I mean, one uh, beyond like uh, this uh, usual benefits of convenience, intuitiveness, and the touchless, contactless, hygienic manner, all the automated manner, all those usual benefits aside, <clears throat> there are a few things. Right now, there is uh, just like in the IoT world, the classic traditional IoT world, right? There is uh, fragmentation uh, among app platforms or backend platforms, same way in the voice world, voice AI world, there is a race going on between like Google and Alexa and Samsung is also kind of throwing in in their names more recently. Siri was in the race, but they have dropped out. Microsoft has also dropped out practically uh, in recent years. Uh, So, but I mean, new people, new players are coming in, but they are not making the devices, the IoT devices, manufacturers' lives easier anyway. So if a device, let's say I have, I'm have, i a light manufacturer, LED light manufacturer, I want to support voice. Yes, I believe in the voice ecosystem, but I mean, how to do it? So Alexa's and Google's of the world, I mean, they are leaving that burden entirely onto the manufacturing ecosystem that, hey, it's your job to figure out. Here is our API and that's it. That's all we provide. But the manufacturing uh, environment is not as software friendly or even cloud software friendly as those big entities are. (laughs) There is an inherent impedance mismatch, life cycle mismatch that like where the cloud software can change things on on daily, hourly, minutes basis, just one click and boom, you have a new interface versus those hardware guys, the physical guys, like it takes 12 months sometimes to bake things in and get it through the full supply chain and manufacturing line. So how do we balance this mismatch for manufacturers to support not just one, but multiple voice assistants at the same time to make their life easy and consumers' lives easy? So what happens is typically if this LED manufacturer decides that, hey, I want Alexa. So they make hard work in putting Alexa together, Alexa support maybe six, nine, 12 months. And after that, once they release the product, they say, hey, we are Alexa compliant now, right? So what happens from the consumer side People have, some people have Alexa in their household. Some people have Google in their household. So the Google guys are not going to purchase this device because it's only Alexa compliant. It's not Google compliant yet. So mm. entirely like 50% of market is gone for, for sure. this manufacturer, right? Sure. And uh, what happens if Alexa changes any APIs or removes some backward compatibility, and they're always on the hook to make those changes, embrace those changes. And the rinse and repeat for uh, Alexa's and Google and Samsung of the world Mm-hmm. So manufacturers are not actually jumping in uh, from uh, the way they should be. Right? Mm-hmm. They should be just saying like, hey, this is awesome. Voice is awesome. Let's jump into it. But they're not. Uh, and we may, we try strive to make their life easier with our all-in-one platform. And we have filed a patent on that as well. 
that hey manufacturer's life should be simpler so use our api our sdks to integrate once mm-hmm. and right. as a result you get alexa google samsung all all three for free so three in one right away and as mm-hmm. soon as we support the fourth one you get the fourth one also free or the fifth or sixth Right. right, right. And right. on the consumer side, the benefit is reflected that, hey, consumers are now free to choose whatever voice assistant they are comfortable with. They are sure. not locked into Alexa only or locked into Google only or into Samsung only world. They can just pick and choose whatever they feel comfortable with. So it's a win-win scenario, but still, I think uh, uh, it's, a, it's a little bit longer way to go uh, to for the ecosystem to, to drive adoption into this area. But that's like yeah. one of the, I think, key driver that needs to be unlocked in order to increase the adoption of voice AI in enterprises and industries. That makes a ton of sense. I, I, I totally follow that. Um, one of the last questions I want to ask you is when people think about IoT in general, the domain itself might appear relatively fragmented at times. There's a lot of different platforms, applications, connectivity solutions. I mean, the list kind of just goes on. How are you all at Speak to IoT dealing with with this fragmentation and how are customers able to kind of leverage their existing infrastructure for that voice IoT journey that they're going down with you? So that that that's a great question as well. <clears throat> so I mean fragmentation is is kind of a nature of the beast that way right? I mean everybody's yeah, right. Uh, just trying out pushing just a recent example I gave, right? I mean, Google is pushing very hard to push Google Assistant as a voice platform. Alexa is doing the same. Samsung is jumping and joining the bandwagon, right? Uh, so everybody's trying to push their own things. And IoT world is no different. There were at some point like 100 plus so-called platforms in the IoT, right? I mean, mm-hmm. when you say platform, it's supposed to be generic and it's supposed to be componentized and modular and allowing other people to integrate with various services, but that's far from the reality. So uh, what the way we are addressing or trying to address at least is trying to uh, tackle certain key pain points. So one of them is this fragmentation on the voice side. So we are we have built a generic software which works with Alexa and Google and Samsung. So it's not mm-hmm. like a question of or, it's a question of and. Sure. So somebody should be able to support all of them, not just one of them, right? So right. the decision, the barrier to entry should be low. So that's one way for us to kind of uh, support and help the cause. Another mm-hmm. way is uh, the data privacy and the data at rest, data in motion, all those aspects of IoT. So... Uh, some players are always keeping things in the cloud only, no other places. Mm-hmm. Uh, we offer like multiple deployment scenarios. Like, yes, if you if you want to, if you're comfortable in keeping in the cloud, we can keep it in the cloud. If you're comfortable leaving it in your own data center, yes, that's also possible as long as uh, you know where to draw the line. So whether right. you want the Google Assistant voice access or you want like some other voice access which is local to your data center, so we give that choice of uh, uh, freedom uh, to the players for keeping their data wherever it makes sense for them, not just shipping everything under <laughs> behind the firewall in some country where they have no access back uh, or like it's a high probability of hacking or corporate espionage or something like that. So, right? so we, we kind of help our customers take care of their data and own their data in their own way instead of being getting it owned by somebody else whom they don't know or have no control over. Right? So that's uh, another point. And the third point is the future-proofing capabilities. 
So usually what happens is, and we have seen in the recent, uh, the pipeline breach, right, on in the, in the U.S. East Coast. Right, right, so, right. So uh, the oil pipeline. So a lot of infrastructure elements, once they are put in place, uh, they they become old. And it's just mm-hmm. bare minimum maintenance is performed on the systems, both hardware and software-wise. But largely they are ignored from security standpoint or from up-to-date software standpoint. Sometimes there is not space. Sometimes the players have vanished. So the way we are addressing is try to build future-proofing, uh, future-proof architectures as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So by virtue of us in the middle, in a way, and us, like I'm saying, as I'm saying, us is not just us, but us with our large partners as well, who are not going to vanish overnight, right? Like whether it's a Cisco or whether it's Juniper Mist or other similarly large Fortune 500 company. So by joining hands and forces together in building a future-proof system with some well-known, well-established partner, that's mm-hmm. another way of addressing this concern that, hey, this is not like fly-by-night kind of venture. It is an evolving, uh, highly agile, security-first uh, voice a voice AI architecture for IoT. It's not just like some legacy thing which you place today and people ignore it and 20 years down the road, like nobody knows where things are, right? It has to be constantly evolving and it has to be upgraded as well. So uh, the way we have filed a patent on it, it's like today we are supporting Alexa, Google and Samsung. But the moment, let's say, Facebook or somebody else uh, comes Mm -hmm. in and say, hey, here, I have also a generic voice assistant similar to that. So as soon as we enable it in our cloud, the end devices won't have to do anything. Manufacturers won't have to do anything. Zero effort. Consumers won't have to do anything. Zero effort on their side to leverage uh, Facebook or any other new voice assistant for that matter, the fourth one or fifth one or sixth one. So building these futuristic architectures with the large partnerships, uh, stable partnerships, that's another way of uh, addressing some of these challenges of fragmentation. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think for us, what we've seen in the market through talking to a number of different guests is that future proofing building in um, is very important because a lot of companies on their digital transformation IoT journey have these legacy systems. So anything that they're installing um, now needs to not just be compatible with legacy systems, but also be future proofed for, you know, going forward because a lot of these platforms enable different applications to be built on top of them for organizations to really realize the power of IoT. Um, and not just build one application uh, for the organization. I think once they kind of get it deployed, they see other areas that IoT can help, and it's important for all that to work together seamlessly. So, so all that makes exactly. a ton of sense. Yep, yep, exactly. And on top of it, like voice as app-less world, I mean, that's our fundamental drive, an undercurrent of everything, right? Okay, don't create more apps for the users. Create less apps and bring in more convenience using voice. Right, right, absolutely. So, so as we kind of finish up here, um, tell our audience the best way to kind of follow up from this conversation to engage with, with Speak to IoT, learn more, ask any questions they may have, and if there's anything exciting kind of coming out from uh, from your side of things in the next next couple of months, what what should they be on the lookout for? Absolutely, people can obviously find out more about us at uh, speaktoiot.com. Uh, if they are specific to uh, Indian region, they can find us at smartindia.app as well. Okay. Uh, okay. So for, for our subsidiary. And obviously, if they want to drop a note, they can always drop a note at talk at speaktoiot.com. And we'll be happy to answer and engage. And if there are any opportunities to engage, voiceify anything, people process data things, mm-hmm. we would love to partner with you. With, we would love to work with you and at least 
have a meaningful conversation, if nothing else. Fantastic. Well, it's been a great conversation. I really thank you for your time. Um, I think our audience is going to get a lot of value out of this. We don't talk about voice that often. Um, so this has been very insightful. And, and, and thanks again. Thank you very much. Awesome. It's a pleasure. All right, everyone. Thanks again for joining us this week on the IoT for All podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave us a rating or review and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on whichever platform you're listening to us on. Also, if you have a guest you'd like to see on the show, please drop us a note at ryan.iotforall.com and we'll do everything we can to get them as a featured guest. Other than that, thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.